from a very young age, I realized that there was so much out there and yet also there was so much lack as well. And that filled me with a lot of gratitude from what, where I was coming from. I was lucky that my parents were able to give me what the other kids didn't have. And part of what I learned even from that early age was giving something back. So my parents, my, my mom could never understand why I always kept running out of pencils and pens and um, other stationery. That's because I was sharing it with some of my other pupils from my from, from the same classroom. Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share new and different ways to practice gratitude that you might not have thought of before. Our guests come from many different and diverse backgrounds, and the one thing they all have in common is a passion for gratitude. I'm Julie Boye, a gratitude and gut health expert, and I love showing you different ways to practice gratitude that you might not have thought of before. Welcome back to the podcast, my friends. I am so grateful that you're here. I am just buzzing right now after my interview with Arvind Devalia. It is a really beautiful, beautiful episode. Arvind weaves gratitude into his life in so many ways. He is such a compassionate human being, and you can just feel the love that he feels for his fellow humans just by listening to this podcast. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling disconnected from humanity, this is a podcast for you. As well, as always, I'm learning new ways to practice gratitude thanks to my guests, and Arvin does that too, so you'll learn something new when listening to this podcast. Last week, I mentioned that I had something new and exciting to share with you, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to have it live or not, but I did it. I'm so excited to share with you a gratitude habit tracker. What I've learned after all of these years of practicing gratitude is that we never know when our gratitude habits will be there for us during our most difficult times. Using a gratitude habit tracker can help us to learn to create new gratitude habits. And that's what you'll get with this gratitude habit tracker. You can learn all about it by checking out the link in the podcast notes or visiting my website, wakeupwithgratitude.com. It's the first thing you'll see right when you land on the website. Let me know if you order one for yourself and I'd love to know how this is working for you. Thank you so much, friends, for all your support and I hope you enjoy this product that I made just for you. I can't wait any longer to share Arvind Diwali with you, so let's dive into this episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boye, and today I'm welcoming Arvind Devalia. Hello, friend. Hello there. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here all the way from London in the UK. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. Yes, and the spring has finally arrived for us, so it's nice and sunny out there, and it always feels amazingly different when the sun is out, especially in London, because we get so little of sunshine, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I don't know if the podcast listeners can hear, but the birds are chirping. My windows are wide open. So we're going to have so much fun today because Arvin is a coacher, blogger, and an author. His book is called Get the Life You Love. 
Since he left the corporate world 20 years ago, he has coached hundreds of individuals, published a dozen books, and spoken at various events. Everything he does is to empower people to live their best lives and to make the world a better place at the same time. He creates transformational events such as Make It Happen retreats, peace workshops, drum circles, massive picnics, and exclusive dinners to bring people together in a fun and life-changing way. Arvin also recently completed his ninth London marathon. And with all of this, there is this beautiful undercurrent of gratitude in everything that he does. So this is going to be a wide-ranging conversation with lots of fun things to chat about. I love inviting my guests to share some of their story with us, Arvin. And I know that, you know, you gratitude has kind of been a theme throughout your life. So give us a little bit of the backstory. Yes, thank you for that. And um, as I said, uh, the London Marathon, I've just finished the ninth one, so still recovering. And to me, it always comes back to, brings brings me back to my my home where I was born, because usually the the winning runner in the men's, men's race or the women's race is a Kenyan, and I was born in Kenya. So last week, whilst it took me seven hours to finish my marathon, the winning men's champion did it in two hours and one minute. And he ran the second fastest time of all time. So always a good reminder of how far I've got to go to to sort of reach the standard of the people from my country. So yes, so Kenya is where I was born. And being of an Indian background, my, my parents are Indian. And... Gratitude is really part of our culture. And I remember when I was at when I was a little schoolboy, I think seven, eight years old, and going to school. And this was at a time when most of the my fellow pupils were also Indian as well. And there were a few African Kenyan pupils coming coming to school, joining the school that we were in. It's actually a private school. And I was always puzzled how some of them had no shoes. They used to walk bare feet to school and they wouldn't have much stationery. And from a very young age, I realized that there was so much out there and yet also there was so much lack as well. And that filled me with a lot of gratitude from what, where I was coming from. I was lucky that my parents were able to give me what the other kids didn't have. And part of what I learned even from that early age was giving something back. So my parents, my, my mom could never understand why I always kept running out of pencils and pens and um, other stationery. That's because I was sharing it with some of my other pupils from my from, from the same classroom. And in a way, it really worked, worked for me because I used to be bullied quite a bit. And a couple of these African boys became my bodyguards and my friends, and they protected me from all the beatings up I used to get. <laughs> So yes, uh, it taught me even from that age that there's also a bit about receiving as well. What we give out, we get back many fold. It's not always that I have a guest on the podcast that grew up in an environment where they understood gratitude. And I think that acknowledgement, I mean, that is an acknowledgement of you had privilege. And instead of just you know, being in your privilege, you acknowledge and were aware that others did not have the same privileges, which helps that appreciation and gratitude from a young age. And what I think too is so powerful about that part of your story is that 
this kindness you felt, this generosity that you were able to, you know, you were able to give to your fellow classmates sort of came around Mm. in that time and allowed you to be supported and protected in a time when you were being, you know, bullied and mistreated. So it's such a simple, it honestly is such a simple life lesson. And most people just miss out on that in childhood. So I feel like this informed a lot of what you did in the future. Now, it says that you spent some time in the corporate world. So how did you get from living in Kenya to then, you know, working in the corporate world? What were you doing then? Yeah, so a few years after we came here. So we we left Kenya when I was very young. We came to the UK with my whole family. There was five, five, five of us, five kids, my parents and my grandmothers, eight of us managed to get to the UK and we were received by my mum's family. They picked us up on the airport and took them to their took us to their home. We were there for five weeks. So can you imagine 14 people in a small three-bedroom house? So Again, it comes back to gratitude that we were lucky that we had someone to stay with because at that point, we didn't have a choice. We had to leave Kenya and emigrate and we chose to come to the UK at that point. So I did my schooling in the UK and then eventually university, ended up in the corporate world and it never felt right in the corporate world. And then a few, a few things happened. I had a few life changes and at that point, I was lucky enough to go to India for a couple of months, take a break from everything. And that was a good time to reflect. And this, this piece of gratitude showed up yet again, because I realized, so I helped out at a charity school for a month in South India. And I realized all these kids were so incredibly happy and joyous. And yet I had so much more than, than they had physically, materially. And they were so happy and there I was sulking away and in my own little world of sadness and things having seemingly gone wrong. And and that made me want to do more of that sort of work. And the most amazing experience was when we went to an orphanage and there were these five or six kids just so happy sitting on the sofa, petering away and chuckling away. And then we brought them some Indian sweets and I had a really good connection with them. And I was lost amongst them for a few minutes. It felt like a few minutes, it's probably only about a minute or so. And in that moment, it felt like unconditional love. And up till that point in my life, that was probably the first time I've experienced what I now realized was unconditional love. So that moment lasted, seemed to be a long time, but as I said, it's probably only a minute or so, maybe even less. After I left that, after I had the experience, I said to myself, I want to experience more of this. This is what life is really about, actually. And that moment, I felt unconditional love, gratitude, abundance, this this sense of being with people, being with humans, and knowing that this is what it's all about, just being kind, um, loving, and joyous. I think the word joy comes up for me a lot nowadays um, because I've had a few... and we lost it in the last year. So there's a point, there's a bit about coming back to joy. There are so many of us that go through life without ever having a moment of true unconditional love. And I could see how transformative that would be to feel that in that moment. And you bring to every situation, I just, you have this energy about you. You bring to a situation, you bring your heart, you bring this openness and this lightness to 
any situation you're in, I just feel that from you. And, you know, that you've carried that for all of these years and allowed that feeling that you have, that beautiful unconditional love sort of spill over into this beautiful work that you're doing, you know, like with your retreats and your drumming circles and all these wonderful ways that you bring together people. And I can feel that undercurrent of gratitude and love and everything that you're doing. What was it that led you to sort of going on your own though and building a business to do all these things? Because that can be scary, especially, you know, when you're in a corporate world, when you have, I mean, this is the thing, this is the irony, I think, is that, you know, you had the money, the job, the everything, and you found unconditional love with those who had virtually nothing. So that moment with the children in South India changed everything for me, actually, at many levels. Um, It gave me a lot of clarity about the next steps in my life. And I got back to home, England again, and wrapped up a few things in my life. And then I went on a search about what what was it that I really wanted to do. So I spent a couple of more years working in, in the corporate world. And then one day, discovered coaching, and I got into personal development, got into the world of spirituality. It means different things to different people, but to me, it just felt like coming back home. And I began to share more of what the wisdom I had and what was coming through me. Um, Got my coaching practice up and running, and then something made me um, approach my local newspaper, and they gave me a column for one year when I wrote a little piece about around coaching and personal development. And those articles became my first book, which then became my second book, which is a book that which is uh, just re-released recently, Get the Life You Love. So when I look back, putting all the dots together, it all began in India, but a lot of things happened along the way to get me to where I am now. And through the book, I was able to reach thousands of readers and potential clients, whereas if I was just coaching one-to-one, I could only reach so many people. So the impact is so much more, so much greater as a result. I would agree that books are so critical because of not only the reach and the impact, but also, you know, there is, like you said, coaching is something you can do in a group or to one-on-one, but it's still, the impact can still be limited sometimes financially. People are not able to pay for the coaching. Whereas a book, you know, even if we're not, people aren't able to purchase it, there are libraries. I'm a big fan of the library. You know, I love using our library. I always have at least three or four library books on the go at once, as well as purchasing books as well. And I think that's um, really interesting. I love that you wrote a column too, for many years and then turn that into a book, which is so powerful. It's actually only for a year, but oh, it's it was about 60 the... articles. Yes, yes. And that's Rennie's course because in the end, I felt my energy was uh, not the right anymore. It became a, became a drag yeah. and it was a good time to complete that and move on and do something else. And the column only came about because I did a fundraising event and I wrote to my local paper. I called them actually and I said, look, would you like to do a story on this? They didn't know what coaching was. So the, the, the one of the journalists came to mind. We had a face-to-face coaching session. He loved it so much. He said, look, I'm going to do your story. And then he featured me on page three of the local newspaper. And I had a red nose. It was for comic relief, which I think oh, yeah. you have as well. Yeah. And I had a red wig on. And that red wig I've had for all these years. And then I do my London Marathon, I always wear the red wig. So it's like so many completions happen as a result. And 
So that week I was featured in the newspaper and as a result, I raised 800 pounds for Rednos. And then I got some clients through it. And then I and then I then I got in touch with them again and I said, look, you've been so kind to me. Can I just do something for you? How about if I just write you a weekly column around personal development, coaching? And obviously I'll do it for you for free. It's just something to give back to you. And I had no idea whether they'll say yes or no. That took a few weeks to respond. And Eventually, they said yes, and it ran on the same page as the editorial. So it was actually amazing coverage for me for, for a year. So I got clients through it. I got some exposure. And the best thing is I learned how to write because first couple of articles I wrote, I had to get an author friend to help me with, with uh, putting them together. Yeah. And then I improved as I went along. So I learned so much by giving them something. And yes, I'll be, I'll be always be grateful to 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 that newspaper because because of them, all my writing has happened. You said something that's so important, I think, for those that want to write is that at the beginning, your writing is not going to be good. And the only way to become a better writer is to write more. Although I feel like, you know, this is, I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's important because we are both writers. We met through a program called Authorpreneur that is run by Hay House. and we're writing and we had a little bit of a conversation before I pressed the record button um, about what writing looks like now and what blogging looks like now with the advent of AI such as chat GPT and how we're using that in our writing. So, you know, for example, if, if you were to start a column, a weekly column today, do you think that you'd be using something like a chat GPT to help you to write that column? Yes, the things are moving so rapidly. And I, again, I think we can be really grateful for ChatGPT for what it is. There's no getting away from it now, it's there. And I think it'd be it makes sense to use it for some idea generation, some headline generation, for example. But ultimately, people want to read your our stories, they want to learn about our stories, human stories. So that's what distinguishes us from ChatGPT. ChatGPT might give us, say, 10 ways to detox your life, but I can then add 10 ways that I detox my life and how I bring my personal stories into it. And that's what, where the richness will come from. And ChatGPT can never replicate that, at least not yet. Yeah, at least not yet. I would agree with you. I think, you know, the powerful thing is that it can help us tell our stories and in a way that helps us to be better writers you know, more easily because we can, especially through the editing process. And for me, for someone who has a lot of chronic pain and I can't spend a lot of time on my computer, you know, having ChatGPT do some editing for me really helps. It cuts down my time and it allows me to be more productive and do more of what I love in a more efficient way. So I think it's interesting to see how, and I agree with you, I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for it, even as a writer, because writing is one of the things that is most threatened by this, this AI, which I think we never believed. But what you said, I think is what is the most important for us to not fear is to remember that our human stories, our individual experiences yes. mm. are our own. And yes, and that's what people want to read. And I've had so many people come back to me about the book, actually, because when I wrote it, the original book was a few years back now. I just re relaunched it with edition three. And people used to ask me, what's different about your book? And I, I would say to them, that, look, to be honest with you, there are thousands of personal development books like this out there. 
Uh, but there's two ways my book is distinct from other books. And one, firstly, it's a workbook. It's not just a reading book. The book has alternate pages where you write within it and you read the preamble and then you go away and do the exercise. So change happens quite quickly. Transformation can happen because you're actually physically taking action. But the, the main way my book is different from other books like this is my personal stories integrated into, into the book. So when I talk about, for example, why I changed work, what, what went wrong for me, I talk about what I did, what, what didn't work for me, where I messed up, what really worked for me. Uh, when I talk about gratitude, I talk about uh, going to my local park and writing in my local park, or I talk about making a list of all the things people give me. You know, Actually, this is a really good idea for your listeners is to have a journal where you write all the things you're receiving from people and you also write all the things you're giving people. So it's what I call my get, get and receive book or diary or journal. And it's amazing, actually. A lot of people will probably find that they, they're giving a lot more than they're receiving. So the lesson for me was to be open to receiving more as well. So I, so I share a lot of anecdotes like this, and that's what makes the books different from other books out there. I really like that idea. It's, it is often true that most people are giving, 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 and not allowing the receiving part, which is the true magic of abundance, right? It's that being open to receiving and yeah. allowing. You know, I think back to, you know, how sometimes when we receive a gift from someone and we say, oh, no, you shouldn't have. Yes. And we want to replace those words with a simple thank you. Thank you. Yes. A thank you, which is mm. a, such a simple example of gratitude. However, it changes the way that we see the way that we're receiving things. I feel that if we keep saying, you know, oh no, you didn't have to, oh no, 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 no. Like mm. that's a message you're sending out, right? Exactly. So your idea is great. I, I love um for those the listeners. You can't see this, but Arvind had uh has your notebook and his book showing us how, yeah, how you keep track of it. So on, so I use the same notebooks. On the one side, it says give, and on the other side, it says get. Now, when I started this um, a few years back now, and I can look back now and I can see what people gave me. The only thing I wish I'd done was put dates on them. Then I could have said, oh, okay, mm -hmm. 15 years back, someone gave me these things, et cetera. Yeah. One of the best stories I, I can share about not able to receive and giving is a few years back, I befriended a friend who used to be something, the big issue. Be in the UK, in London, we had this magazine, newspaper, so, so weekly or two weekly, that people who are homeless can set up their own business. So they get to sell this magazine called The Big Issue, and they make one or two pounds from every book sale. And normally they sell them outside of train stations or underground stations. And at my local, local station, I, I became friends with a very nice guy called Christopher Patrick McCormack. And now I give you his full name because that's how he always introduced himself to me and everyone else. And he had, he had a great line. He said, I'm an entrepreneur. Give me a hand with my new business, buy the big issue. And every now and then I used to buy big issue from him. And then I got to, I always carry a banana with me. Anytime I'm out in London, I always carry a banana with me. So if I see a homeless person, I give them a banana or she have a bit of conversation. So Christopher, I started doing this with him and we became friends actually. And then one day we had a deeper conversation. He asked me what I did and I showed him the book and I said, look, I'll give it if you'd like. This is my gift to you. Um, maybe you, you'd be able to read it, et cetera. And the irony of giving a 
homeless person with the book title called Get the Life You Love. It's a bit ironic, but he was so happy, like he was really chuffed. And I thought, I wondered whether you'd ever read it or not. So anyway, I roll on a few more weeks and I came out of the train station and Christopher was really excited to see me. He said, oh, Armin, I'm so happy to see you. I've been waiting for you. And then he offered me some packed sandwiches. And I, uh, so what had happened was there's a Starbucks across from the tube station. And at the end of the evening, they'd given him some food, but he'd kept one for me. And he offered it to me. And I said, come on, Christopher. I said, look, come on, I'll be eating at home. So you should have this. And he kept, he kept saying to him, no, no, you should have it. And I was, so you've got a bit of this ding-dong going jokingly. That, oh, no, you should have it. And then he says to me, look, Arvin, you need to learn to receive. You even wrote about it in your book. So not only had he read the book, he actually was able to repeat it to me. And, and that was such a humbling experience for me. And I accepted. And it was such a nice uh, moment for both of us to share. And yeah, I most people, including me, I'm, I'm much better now. I'm very not, not as good at receiving as we are giving. I think also with someone who we perceive to not have very much, for that person to be able to give you a gift probably meant more than you giving your book, right? You have access yeah. to lots of books, no big deal for you. But for this person to feel they had they had more than enough and they wanted to give to you, what a, yeah. you're right, it is a very humbling gesture. And we steal mm. something from the person who is giving to us mm. if we when we don't accept it we're stealing from them we're stealing their joy exactly and something yeah. very similar happened to me last week because as i mentioned i did the i took part in the learn marathon last week and normally what happens at the end of the learn, learn marathon you get a goodies bag but there's some water in there or some other lucozade and so I, so I did the marathon then i was walking with a friend to go for a meal somewhere or just to get our energy back Again, went past this tube station, train station, and there was a very young girl sitting there with a sign saying, homeless and hungry, please help me, something along those lines. So I went past her a little bit, and I put my bag down. And along the along the way, on the marathon, because I'd been walking, I'd collected a few chocolate bars and yummy um, wine gums and a few other things, bananas and things. So my bag was quite heavy any already. So I put it down there and I started taking things out. And I first I gave her the water and the lucozade and then I gave her the banana. And I, actually I gave her the banana first whilst I was taking other things out. And as I gave her the banana, she op she peeled it open and then she ate it whilst I was there. So she's genuinely really hungry. And then I looked at her a bit more closely. She, can't have, she couldn't have been more than 16, 17, such a young girl. And yet most people were just walking past. So what I did was all my chocolate bars and energy bars and everything, I just put them in a bag and gave them to her. And I'll tell you what, the gratitude she showed in her face, she was so genuinely appreciative and it, could have bro it broke my heart really for her to, to see her in that situation. And all my tiredness and all the aches and pains of the mouth and just disappeared in that moment. It's like nothing else matters. This is the moment that really captured everything that's important. It's remembering that everyone that comes across our path is a human being. Yes. <clears throat> I see that in you. I see your compassion and your humility and your beautiful heart. Arvind, I, I have 
learned so much already from our our short time together. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, you really talk about how gratitude weaves into so many, just the way that you are, the way that you live. I'm curious if you have any specific practices that sort of maybe at the beginning of your day or at the end of your day or something, you know, that is kind of a regular gratitude habit for you. So I do the usual things, um, waking up with gratitude. Um, I have my get and my give journal. Um, and the uh, something that happened in the last year is that we had two losses in the family. My brother passed away last May and my mum last October. So at the moment, I'm in a place of grief, but also gratitude. So that's the, the two of them are very much part of my life right now. I have photos of my brother and my mum around me and remembrances of who they were, what they were in my life and how much they meant to me. So that's really my, knowing that I've had such big losses puts me in a state of gratitude most of the time anyway. I was in life a year ago, but now I'm very much in that space of knowing that our lives are so limited and we just don't know what's going to happen to all of us, any of us. The very fact that I woke up this morning to me is a huge celebration. It's a huge point of gratitude just to be grateful for and say, wow, I actually woke up this morning. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, oh, uh, my friend, yes, you are. I mean, you said the name of the podcast, right? I choose to wake up with gratitude. And, you know, I honor your losses and that you share your heart with us and that you, you reiterate this point, which has been shared many times with the wonderful guests through the podcast is that grief and gratitude live in the same house, right? They're not, mm-hmm. they're just two things on the same line and they are so intertwined. And it's really beautiful how a practice of gratitude that we've had for years and you're all also your practice of humility and compassion is helping you through what is likely a very difficult time having two such losses in such a short time. And so I honor you for that. And I thank you for sharing that with, with our podcast listeners. Thank you so much. Just to complete the story from the marathon last week. Yes. So there I was, I shared all the goodie bag stuff with this young girl and I came home and I got a message from a friend. She left two beautiful ripe Indian mangoes for me at my door. Oh. As as their little reward or rec- as a gift for me for completing the marathon, so like what are all the stuff I gave? So much of it came back, and these were the best mangoes I ever had. That's oh. <laughs> so wonderful! Yeah, it's oh just my amazing, goodness, yeah. it is, it is. And what I find too is the more we practice gratitude, the more we allow ourselves to attract abundance into our lives. It's it's not a linear thing, right? I find, so I just completed like a 30 days of gratitude challenge where I wrote a card for 30, every day for 30 days to people in my life to express my gratitude to them and sent it in through the post. And, you know, sure. People said, thank you for the card and all that, but it was really interesting what other things were attracted into my life that didn't have anything to do with what I was doing directly. Right. There's this beautiful energy. And you said that spirituality, like for me, this is part of my spirituality is that the more I spend time in gratitude and allowing the more just 
that I have to be, it really, I mean, gosh, it's now it sounds cheesy, but the more you are grateful, the more you have to be grateful for. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Yeah. And to me, it's just coming to a point of living with an attitude of gratitude. In fact, that's one of the chapters in the book, the point of everything starts with gratitude. So I mentioned that the book is now edition three. So the main change was chapter seven before was how to live with an attitude of gratitude. I've now made it chapter one because to me, everything begins with gratitude. If if for the rest of my life, I can live with, with, with an attitude of gratitude, then my whole life will just be magical. Oh, it is. I, I love it so much. Arvind, I've just loved our time together and I'm sure our listeners have as well. If they are looking to find you, where is the best place to do so? So I have a number of websites and I'm on social media everywhere, but the main main place is just to go to my main website, which is arvindevalue.com. I have a blog there with around 600 articles, out of which 200 are pretty good. And I would say 50 are exceptionally good. <laughs> yeah, I've been writing in for many years. So again, this is part of what we just learned, actually, is to acknowledge our, our own greatness and not be falsely modest. So yes, there's lots of articles on there and you can contact me and learn more about the book and be great to sort of meet new people. And yeah, if you're ever in London, then come to one of my picnics or interesting people dinners and walks in the park. So yeah, so much to appreciate. And Oh, so yeah. much. And we do have listeners from all over the world. So it is possible that some of the listeners are in the London area or in London itself and may be able to join you for one of your events, especially as you said, spring is here, summer is coming. So looking forward to that. Thank you so much for your heart, your compassion, your empathy. I just love the way that you share the way that you live and the way that you, you know, interact with people in such a human way. And I'm just so grateful that we spent this time together. Thanks so much, Arvind. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. Thanks for sticking around till the end of the podcast. I appreciate you. If you're not already following us on your favorite app, make sure you click on the check or follow podcast so you'll be alerted every time there's a new podcast episode. If you enjoyed the episode and want to help us grow, here's some easy things that you can do. You can leave a review on your favorite app. You can share this podcast with a friend and send it directly. And you can also share through social media. Feel free to tag me on any posts in your stories and I'll repost. Thank you to Paul Tedeschini for doing the post-production audio for the podcast. And one last thing, I hope you're choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.